Have you ever wondered if interacting with leftists is right for you? Do you feel you hold rational views and therefore not enough people have blocked you on social media? Are you ready to be shunned for no reason other than voicing a perfectly sane take? Try interacting with leftists today. So I tweeted this um, extremely reasonable take in response to somebody who was talking about a role that was being given to someone who was not racially fit for the job. Oh, I realize how that sounds in retrospect, but they were trying to race twist things. I said the following. Let these people, let brown people have their ori- have their own original roles. As a result, I was blocked. And I was like, what? What? I'm sorry. Maybe you got too many likes on that. Then I got almost 10,000 likes. But here we are. I just thought it was funny because this constantly happens. Anytime I interact with someone, even when I don't recognize or realize that they're leftist, they tend to block me. And I'm like, you have control of everything. You're in control of every major media, mainstream organization, institution, and you still have to block little old me. Are you kidding? I don't even have 200,000 followers and I'm just ish posting on Twitter all the time, but still got to block me for some reason. They can't handle scrutiny. What should Andy tweet tonight? Should he ask about, um, should he ask about whether interacting with leftists is right for you? Because I think most people would say it's probably not, but I think it is. It's incredibly amusing. It displays their fragility for all to see, which I love dearly. I love highlighting how frail their mindset is. It's crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy. And I think that uh, it deserves to be done. I'm just saying. Just saying. Things worth doing. Yeah, Andy. So um, Andy's going to make a polks, which I guess is what we're doing now. I guess this is where this is where folks came from. Is X. X is now Twitter. I noticed when I updated um, my X app that X has now moved in my menu of uh, apps. It moved from the T setting where it was before. It used to be called Twitter, obviously. Yep, sure enough, when you update it, it changes everything to X. So now on my desktop, it also says X instead of the much more sane and logical Twitter. But we all know it's Twitter. It doesn't matter what Elon Musk calls it. We're going to talk about Elon Musk this evening because he's making a crazy choice, but he's giving his reasoning. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. We're going to start talking about Hunter Biden. We're going to discuss, let's see what else we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're going to discuss what it takes to actually provide evidence for leftists because that's a very fun thing to break down. There was um, testimony today from Devin Archer, um, Hunter Biden's former coworker, I think he was, or friend. We're going to talk about the hidden warehouse in China that was um, Chinese, in California, that was Chinese run illegal and performing experiments of, with viruses right in California. So those are really interesting. Um, we'll see what happens there. Ron DeSantis thinks colleges are the ones who should be on the hook for student loan debt. We'll get into that. We're going to talk about LeBron James, LeBron, LeBron James, fancy social justice school and talk about how that's doing lately. Hint, not very well. Um, we're also going to touch on Bud Light. Interesting news from there too, for sure. And let's talk about, oh, you know what? We might talk about the Swedish author who went undercover in the incel community and what horrifying things he found there. Good times. So let's hop right into it. Before we go on, I just want to let everyone know that we are doing the Dave Ramsey method of budgeting and we are already making great strides and having a good time putting our money to good and reasonable use before the baby's born, trying to tackle down all our debts, bring them into manageable condition, uh, bring them into the, the order that they should be in and make sure that we are all 
paid off because as the Bible says, I believe it's Proverbs, you are a slave when you are in debt. I think that's 100% true. Let's see what Andy has decided to twerk. Poll, is interacting with leftists right for you? <laughs> no, no, but I do anyway. Left, right equals false paradigm. Thanks, Andy, the libertarian. Talk to your doctor. That's what I would vote if it weren't my poll. Thank you, dear. That's a fantastic poll. I like it. I'm going to like my own tweet. Andy's like, you should like what you say. If you liked it enough to tweet it, you should like it. And I'm like, no, this looks like you're a cat, you know, cleaning himself. All right, let's talk about this. We're going to start with a tweet from Maze, who I didn't realize follows me, so I had to follow him back. He has great tweets. Where's the proof that Biden is actually corrupt? Emails, text messages, and bank statements that explicitly detail the scam the Bidens were running. No, I want real proof. Video of Biden himself extorting. No, I want real proof. Whistleblower and business partners that have spent hours detailing the scam that the Bidens were running. No, I want real proof. See, you don't have any. You're in a cult. Exactly. Exactly. It's ridiculous. The shifting of the goalposts, they cannot allow their man to be shown in a negative light, which is absolutely crazy. You want to talk about being in a cult? This is it. When your fearless leader can literally cannot do anything wrong and never has in the past either. Jeez, you'd think that they'd want their leader to actually have some character development and be like, okay, well, maybe he was subpar in the past, but he's certainly not anymore. He's obviously learned from his mistakes and he's never going to do it again. See, it's going to be great going forward. We can totally trust him since he has that wisdom, that knowledge that he gathered from making all these mistakes in the past. But no, no, not only is this man blameless in the present, he has never done anything wrong ever. It's like that scene from 30 Rock where she says, um, I forget what exactly the, what was happening. I just know from the meme format, this lady is like, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and Jack Donahue is saying, I know you've never done anything wrong ever. I know this and I love you for it. It's crazy. And that's exactly what they're doing with Joe Biden. But if it makes you feel any better about them, they're not really like mentally deficient. Um, they would do this for any leader, literally any leader. And that to me screams cult more than anything. Um, well, we've only seen that kind of thinking on the right for one particular candidate. And hopefully that doesn't, that kind of thinking and that kind of following ideas doesn't really spread, but we will see what happens on that front. Okay. Let's see here. Let's look at this next tweet from Dan Bongino, whom I used to think was a total conspiracy theorist. <gasps> not anymore. I retract my feelings, uh, fully. The Democrats are correct. Outside of the bank records, suspicious activity reports, live transfers, private bank actions, the LLCs, texts, emails, WhatsApp messages, photos of Joe with Hunter's business partners, voicemails to his son, two business partners saying Joe is the brand, the big guy and the chairman, the two whistleblower testimonies, the recorded phone calls between Biden and Poroshenko, the video of Joe Biden bragging about firing Ukrainian prosecutors, and Hunter's statement that he's giving his dad half his income. There is no evidence of Joe Biden being involved. That's right. That's right. And you're in a cult if you think that he was. And Dan ends it with good call guys. Yeah, they have to. They absolutely have to. Totally. 100%. When you watch drunk driver body cam footage, says Blue Reader, almost all of them say they haven't done anything wrong. That's right. That's correct. Hell Saint says it's lids, but sl that, but live. I can't even read this. I can't read tonight, guys. Who, about, who am I to be doing a show for you? It's ridiculous. We're going to get through it anyway. Somehow we're going to power through. It's going to be great. Let's hop over to this one next. So if it takes only one real Donald Trump perfect phone call to impeach, then what about 20? 
Archer testifies Biden was on speakerphone 20 times. The Demo- a Democrat downplays conversations. We're going to look at exactly what Democrat is downplaying these conversations because he sure did. And it's kind of embarrassing. So let's hop right over to that. Oh, you know what? Let's see what the see what the oversight committee had to say. They broke it down and then we'll look at what the, the Democrat is saying to dismiss it. All right. So this is a summary. It's a little bit of a thread. This is directly from the GOP oversight committee. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, established 1814, Chairman James Comer. Cool. We completed a transcribed interview with Biden Associate Devin Archer. Archer's testimony confirms Joe Biden lied to the American people when he said he had no knowledge of his son's business dealings and was not involved. Yep. And you may have noticed that now it's changed. It's no longer, no longer does, did he not know anything about his son's business dealings. He's now not in business with his son. Which is not the same at all. When Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, he joined Hunter Biden's dinners with his foreign business associates in person or by speakerphone over 20 times. Devin Archer testified that the value of adding Hunter Biden to Burisma's board was the brand and confirmed that then vice president Joe Biden was the brand and that the 20 phone calls were to sell the brand. In fact, Devin Archer admitted that Burisma would have gone out of business if the brand had not been attached to it. Because of the Biden's involvement, people would have been intimidated to mess with Burisma legally. That's right. And that makes perfect sense. This is influence peddling in its purest form. I said the other day, it shocks me how out in the open this is. Because typically, I, with my little pea brain, can't follow any of this stuff. I'm just like forced to bow to people who know more about this stuff than I do. But I'm just following along really pretty freaking simply. It's pretty obvious what's going on here. Andy says, I'm not in business with lids. That's right. It's true. We're not in business with each other. It's true that we share a bank account. It's true that all of this comes through in the same direction. It's true that my budgeting affects his bottom line, but at the end of the day, we aren't in business together. So, you know, you know how it is. That's what he should have said all along. See, he's trying to change it after the fact. It's not going to work. And he says, but please do send your super chats. Absolutely do so. Kanye Ron says, Lids is the brand. Ooh, I hope not. I hope that Dip and Dot are the brand. I would, I would get behind a Dip and Dot brand 100%. They are sterling character. They will never do anything wrong. I will clean up after them. You'll never see it. It's not a big deal. Stevie J says dip is the big guy. That's right. That's right. Dot is the hunter in this relationship. (laughs) A little cracked out (laughs) cokehead. All right, you guys. In December 2015, Michaela Zlochevsky, the owner of Burisma, and Verim Podoreski, I'm just making these pronunciations up, so bear with me. An executive of Burisma placed constant pressure on Hunter Biden to help to get help from D.C. regarding the Ukrainian prosecutor, Victor Shokin. If these names sound familiar to you, it's because they're very familiar to all of us. In fact, let me, before we move on, I want to pull up this video. Somebody just sent it to me in a group chat that I'm in, just highlighting exactly what it looks like when Joe Biden said this. Should be providing for loan guarantees, and I went over, I guess the twelfth, thirteenth time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee, and I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they walked out to the press conference and said, "No, I said I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars." I tried to put pressure on them to fire this state prosecutor, and they hadn't. So I was walking out, and they said, you know, are you going to give us this money? And he said, no, I'm not going to give you the money. And they're like, who are you to do this? He's like, 
call Obama, you know, call Barack, see what happens. And uh, son of a gun, the guy got fired. So he was pulling his own weight. He was throwing his own influence around to get this prosecutor fired who was looking into Burisma with whom Hunter was allied. Thank you very much, Hell Saint, for your super chat. I appreciate it. And he says, Dot is my favorite cat. Thank you, dear. Kanye Ron, video proof, quid pro Joe. That's right. We've had this evidence forever, forever. This is not new. In fact, if I recall correctly, this video is actually from 2018. And as far back as 2019, Biden Inc., over his decades in office, middle-class Joe's family's fortunes have closely tracked his political career. And nobody thought to ask why that was. Isn't that interesting? Thank you, Politico, for writing this article. Do you know any journalists who could possibly ask what's going on here? Yeah. Hell, Saint, I know you forgot to type a message. Let me know if you have a further message to go with your super chat. I just thought this was super, super interesting. It's really irritating to watch people. In fact, I had somebody I hadn't talked to in a really long time hit me up today and they sent me like a version of Maze's tweet where they're like, we're unloading evidence on them. And they're just like, um, sorry, that's not good enough. And I'm like, actually, somebody tried to do that to me to my face about the Facebook files. They're like, oh, these are just intercompany emails about the feds interfering with Facebook censorship. That's not a real evidence that the feds were interfering at Facebook. And I was like, you people. You want to tell me that the right is in a cult? Give me a freaking break. Give me a break. Unbelievable. Truly, truly. Let's keep reading this uh, thread from the... Uh, let's see if I can... Did I just lose it? Son of a gun. All right. There we go. Yeah. Okay. No, Andy. <laughs> okay. Um, Hunter Biden, along with Slachewski and Pazarewski, called DC to discuss the matter. Biden, Slachewski, and Pazarewski... Pazarski? stepped away to make the call. This raises concerns that Hunter was in violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act. That's right. Uh, he was acting as a foreign agent or as a liaison of a, like a foreign embassy or whatever. Joe Biden was dialed into a dinner in Paris with a French energy company and in China with Jonathan Lee, the CEO of BHR. Then VP Biden had also also had coffee with Lee in Beijing and even wrote a letter of recommendation for college for Lee's daughter. Unpatently unbelievable. This is ridiculous. In 2014, then VP Biden attended a business dinner with Hunter and his associates at Cafe Milano in D.C. Elena Batarino, a Russian oligarch who's the widow of the former mayor of Moscow, who was in attendance. Notably, the Biden admin's public sanctions do not contain Batarina. How fascinating. Isn't that crazy? The top question is, will you release the full transcript? They had better do so because of that Democrat who was talking about just openly dismissing it. It's crazy. And this man, this lovely, lovely gentleman who's only a politician because his family had money. Thank you, Super Chat. Uh, Stuart Walker, Super Chat for Lids Business, which Andy has no involvement in. LOL. Yes, thank you. That's right. We like to keep that under the table. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know how it is. Dip and dot are under the table. That's where the real power is. Archer testified Biden was on speakerphone 20 times. Democrat downplays conversations. Representative Dan Goldman... Democrat of New York, of course, where else, said Devin Archer testified that Hunter Biden put his father on speakerphone around business associates on a number of occasions, but said there was no business talk when he was around. So this is very much in line with Mays' tweet about, look, 
actually, actually, there really wasn't anything there. They didn't even talk about business. It's not a big deal. Just because Joe was present. Hey, you know what? If people know that you're present, things are going to happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. You actually don't even have to specifically talk about business. It's crazy. Now, who knew? But Dan needs to appeal to the very, very fine letter and detail of the law because he knows he has nothing here. As the two hours of Republican questioning ended, Goldman claimed that Archer testified Hunter would call President Biden daily and speak with him. On approximately 20 occasions over a 10-year period, the younger Biden allegedly put his father on speakerphone around business associates or friends he happened to be with. Mm -hmm. Goldman claimed that Archer testified that then-Vice President and Hunter Biden's business associate would only engage in casual conversation, niceties, the weather, what's going on, and that there wasn't a single conversation about any of Hunter Biden's business dealings. And I'm being struck by a little bit of deja vu because I don't know if you guys recall, there was a somewhat similar instance of something kind of like this happening, but it was with a lady, right? And because she was talking to her daughter over email, she said that she was talking about, quote, yoga and wedding planning. So talking about the weather and other such niceties, Of course, that was all they discussed, and that's how they tried to hide the fact that they're unbelievably corrupt. And now the really uncomfortable fact about that case was that nothing was ever done about that. Despite chance of lock her up, nothing ever came of that. Unbelievable criminality. Like, this woman was not even in a position to be sharing these highly classified documents at all, much less keeping them on a private server. But she did, and no one ever held her accountable. Four years, we had a complete, complete control by Republicans. Uh, we had Republicans in the White House, and for two years, we had Congress and uh, Senate and Congress or whatever that were completely Republican-controlled, and we did nothing about this flagrant corruption by this lovely lady whom you re- may recall was Hillary Clinton. And I don't know if you guys remember the lock her up chance that also did not happen, but here we are facing something similar, but actually somehow even worse with Joe and Hunter Biden. Absolute insanity. Kanye Ron said she used bleach. That's right. She wiped it with a cloth. If I recall correctly, Archer was convicted in connection to a fraudulent bond scheme involving a native American tribe in 2018 and was sentenced over a year ago in prison to over a year in prison in 2022. And over the course of this last weekend, like one day ago, they were trying to put him into jail today to keep him from testifying about this. And I don't even know what to say to that. Crazy, crazy stuff. The DOJ is unbelievably corrupt. You want to talk about the deep state? You want to talk about the permanent state? You want to talk about that corruption? Let's talk about it because it's really bad. It is not a conspiracy theory. I think it's safe to say after yet another two hours, there's still no connection of any of Hunter Biden's business dealings with President Joe Biden, Goldman said. Archer's testimony is continuing for another two hours under Democratic questioning. I'm sure they'll get something totally different out of him with that way. Stuart, thank you. Super chat for Andy's man cave. I believe he will need it for sure. We just got him a really, really amazing deal on a standing desk. The ones that rise up to whatever level you want them at so he can work on his multitudinous computers with that device in his own little office, the man cave, the man zone, dip and dad area. You know how it is. All right, let's see what we want to look at next here. Yeah, let's read this one last. Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, gives testimony to Congress that then VP Joe Biden was on more than 20 business calls with his son. 
That's right. Most of this we already covered, so we'll just wrap it. Republicans claim Archer's testimony added to evidence Joe was involved with Hunter's overseas deals. That's an unfair characterization. Joe Biden was not involved with Hunter's overseas dealings. Hunter Biden was a hooker banging crack addict. He would have had zero business dealings at all if he had not been attached to that much vaunted Biden name, the brand itself. Okay. Very, very clear. This is not a case of Hunter helping his daddy and his dad helping him with his business dealings. Hunter Biden was a crack addict. He had no business dealings. The only connections that he had were to his father and to the father's name. And that's exactly what he used. Democrats claim the phone calls were innocent and did not involve business. Hunter and recent executives reportedly called D.C. to discuss the firing of the Ukrainian prosecutor. I wonder why they did that. Isn't that crazy? So weird. So weird. Andy says, I need to put Dot on the standing desk and start raising it up. Good idea. Alrighty here. Let's see. Let's see what we got up here next. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about San Francisco and we're going to talk about X. San Francisco removes Elon Musk's giant new brightly lit X sign over permit violation. So... Of all the human debris littering the streets of San Francisco, the city governorship, the city leadership has decided that the most important thing that they can possibly focus on is removing Elon Musk's flashing brightly lit X sign because of permit violations. Yeah, so never mind the open needles, never mind the open air drug markets, never mind the people who are crashed out on the streets. Never mind the crime that afflicts every single person who sets foot there, including CNN reporters who recently went there. They are going to focus on this. Yeah. Yes, really. It's exactly what you'd expect. San Francisco authorities have removed Elon Musk's huge new brightly lit X sign before because it violated permit orders. The social ju- social media giant, formerly known as Twitter, was under investigation after Musk had the blinding sign that aggravated neighbors installed without first obtaining permits from the San Francisco Department of Buildings. Now, I understand if there's a permit violation, you should probably follow up on that because the rule of law does actually have to apply to everyone. But if you have people who are literally squatting in front of the building on the streets and doing drugs and doing all sorts of other untoward things... Maybe you should tackle that first so that this business does not want to leave the city. However, he has actually said, Elon Musk has said that he is not planning to leave the city. Why not? We'll see in just a minute because he does clarify just a couple minutes ago. Twitter HQ won't move out of San Francisco despite doom spiral affecting the city, Elon Musk says. Interesting. He says he has no plans to move Twitter, now X, out of San Francisco. He said Twitter's headquarters will stay put despite a doom spiral currently affecting the city. So he knows what it is. San Francisco has lost a string of retailers and major companies over the last year. Yeah. Yep. 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 Elon Musk says his Twitter rebrand won't include a change of address. The billionaire took to Twitter now X this weekend to inter- to announce that the company's headquarters is staying put in San Francisco, despite what he referred to as a doom spiral currently affecting the California city. Musk said he wasn't planning to uproot the company's headquarters, even though he's been receiving rich incentives to relocate. I believe that. He said in the post, you only know who your real friends are when the chips are down. San Francisco, beautiful San Francisco, though others forsake you, we will always be your friend. And let's see what he's most recently tweeted about this. It is important for more people to come work in San Francisco or the rest of the city can't survive. 
At this point, Elon, do you actually want San Francisco to survive? Because it really feels like San Francisco doesn't want to survive, which is a terrible position to be in. It makes me feel like they're ready to take the Canadian way out because they seem to self-loathe a lot. And I don't know what to do for them. You can't help someone like that. They are not, they're not, you can't force your help on someone who doesn't want it, right? That's why a lot of these people are still on the street because they resist attempts to help them. It's not for lack of food banks. It's not for lack of halfway houses. It's for lack of desire to actually change your situation. And San Francisco is exactly like one of those homeless people you see on the street. They will not change their situation because they don't want to. They're, they're okay being exactly where they are for whatever reason, human mind strange place to be and apparently the city moves like a person which is a really interesting thing to note one of my favorite authors terry pratchett kind of made a note that cities have like this very human vibe to them because they're occupied heavily by humans obviously i think that he might be onto something there he used to talk about graffiti being like taking the heartbeat and pulse of a city seeing what people are thinking and i certainly think that's the case for sure what you can pick out of it is is for sure worth noting if you're trying to figure out what's going on in the city and how exactly it's faring health-wise. Now, San Francisco, not doing well. I'm sure their graffiti bears that out as well. But I just want to point out that Elon Musk is very optimistic about San Francisco, much more so than I would be, but more power to him. I understand, and I have to be honest, I'm kind of glad that he's not going to take those lefty social justice employees over to Texas or anywhere like that and make those states worse. I'm kind of glad he's keeping it concentrated in California. But speaking of California, let's read about California. Unassuming warehouse in California turns out to be illegal Chinese-run virus laboratory that was genetically engineering mice and experimenting with HIV, herpes, and malaria. Oh, good. If you thought COVID was fun, Wait until they come up with a new version of HIV and herpes. That's great. I'm excited for that. The warehouse is filled with thousands of vials of diseases, blood, and tissues. That's great. Officials also uncovered the one thousand about 1,000 dead and dying lab mice used in testing. A central California city is reeling after a nondescript warehouse turned out to be an illegal lab with deadly pathogens, including a coronavirus, HIV, and malaria. And I just have to stop and say, you know who should have been enforcing this kind of thing? Somebody who cared about permitting. Apparently, they don't much care about permitting in other cities. Let's see. Let's see what city this was in. Wake Up Waverly says Hyperherps. Oh, gosh, I hope not. But that would be a great name for it. I'm just saying. Government investigators also found COVID diagnostic and pregnancy tests at the underground testing facility that they believed were being developed there, in addition to at least 20 stored infectious agents, including coronavirus, HIV, hepatitis, and herpes. The lab was run under a company called Prestige Biotech Unlicensed for Business in California, whose president, Ji Qing Yao, I'm just making these up as well, sorry, was, success, was a successor to the now-defunct company Universal Meditech, Inc. However, officials dispatched to addresses linked to the companies turned up in empty office buildings or addresses in China that could not be verified. The months-long investigation resulted in early July in the proper disposal of all dangerous chemicals and substances labeled and unlabeled, and while officials were noted there note that a probe into the origins of the lab is ongoing, they claim people in the surrounding areas are safe. Oy. 
Nondescript Warehouse was located on I Street in Reedley, California. It was identified by Code Enforcement Officer Good, who happened to be passing by when they saw a garden hose located where it should not have been. A little bit trickier than Elon Musk's Giant X. The Giant X is a little bit of target on the back, but that garden hose, man, will get you every time. I'm telling you, you got to watch out for those code enforcement officers. A search warrant issued less than three weeks later revealed hundreds of vials of improperly labeled chemicals and biohazards, including what ended up being stored uh, coronaviruses, herpes, hepatitis, malaria, in addition to about a thousand dead or dying lab mice. That's too bad. While officials say the immediate danger has been resolved and power has been cut to the building, there will be lingering concerns about possible contamination in the area from improper waste disposal and linkage of dangerous bacteria and viruses that could pose health dangers to Reedley residents. Yeah, no kidding. The black market type lab operating in the sleepy town of Reedley was brought to official attention in early March when a code enforcement officer right, saw the hose. Lucky Catch thrust into motion a combined state, local, and federal probe, one that Reedley City Manager Nicole Ziba had never seen before. Yes, that's incredibly alarming. Holy crap. The Ziba said, this is an unusual situation. I've been in government for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. Well, you better believe that there are other operations like this all throughout the U.S. just slipping by under the radar, unknown to anyone at all, and it's possible to get away with it. Stevie says it sounds like an HOA Karen might have just saved the world. <laughs> yeah, honestly. But that's an example of somebody who was just paying attention and somebody who's actually caring about their job. I had a lady help me at Whole Foods today, and it was very clear to me that she actually really just cared about what she was doing. She's helping me make a return, and it was really complicated, and I could not figure it out. It had been like two months, and I could not make it happen. And she made it work for me. She's like, this is annoying. I know, but we're going to make it happen. And I was like, that is the kind of person you need on your team. And I feel like a lot of younger generations kind of lack that. Just like this code enforcer person. He probably wasn't even on the clock. He was driving. And because he has a practiced eye about what to look for, he saw this garden hose and he's like, oh, holy cow, that's not where it's supposed to be. So he looked into it and he's like, what is this? What is this? This feels like it should be a movie, right? Because a garden hose is such a crazy thing to give away an entire laboratory where they're literally storing like exam tissue samples, all this crazy biohazard stuff, absolutely wild, gnarly stuff. Jeez. In one room were about a thousand inhumanely stored white lab mice, roughly 200 of which were already dead. R.I.P. Mice. According to Assistant Director of the Fresno County Department of Public Health, Joe Prado, the lab was conducting tests on the mice that would help develop COVID test kits found on site. Yeah, I'm sure they weren't trying to develop hyperherps. Mr. Prado said that they were utilizing laboratory mice to see whether or not the COVID test kits were actually testing for COVID. So that was the purpose of the laboratory mice on site. Sure. He did not add whether any of the COVID tests had been given or sold to the public. Hmm, interesting. They also found a wide array of vials containing biomaterials, including blood and tissue. Holy cow, you guys. That's crazy. This is an actual picture of the interior of the warehouse. Does this look like your mental image of a biomedical laboratory? Certainly does not fit mine. I know we've seen the movies. I know we've seen Resident Evil or whatever. We've seen some of those super clean crisp white laboratories obviously they don't actually look like that but they're much closer to that than they are to this this is insane this is a clear clear disregard for human life and health and safety do not enter unsafe to occupy yeah you're telling me 
A black market lab was not licensed to operate there, and while hazardous chemicals have been properly disposed of, officials have yet to reveal specifics about who was running the lab, who erected it, and what the purpose of it was. Maybe we would get more of an answer if 99% of our politicians weren't being actually paid by the country behind this. In addition to finding nearly a thousand lab mice, blah, 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 court documents, investigators found refrigerators and freezers with blood and containers labeled as serum or plasma. Oh my gosh. Andy says sounds fake. It does, doesn't it? It absolutely does. City officials identified Quinjiang Shibata Yao as the company's president, said Prestige Biotech shifted operations to the Reedley Warehouse that was previously run by a now defunct company called Universal Right. We read that. When officials were tasked with searching locations tied to either company, they turned up and abandoned. Right. Okay. So it was really easy to send them on a wild goose chase because, and I'm going to blame this squarely on big government. This is clearly a result. So while we had the code enforcer, who's actually really good at their job and actually made this possible, we also have the copious amounts of red tape that keep people from asking these questions in the first place. All you have to do is file different sets of paperwork properly and no one will ever follow up with you because why would they? There's no reason to ask more questions. All the boxes have been checked. Sure, you can slide by under the radar, but, you know, you probably get away with it for a few years and that might have been all they needed. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I find this fascinating. I am going to be following this story. I don't know if you guys saw this story. So this actually happened when we lived up in Massachusetts. Just read this one real quick because it's not breaking news. <laughs> Exclusive. This is playing with fire. It could spark a lab-generated pandemic. Oh, wow. Lab-generated, huh? That would be crazy. I can't imagine a, a pandemic that came from a lab. Can you? Experts slam Boston Lab where scientists have created a new deadly Omicron virus with an 80% kill rate in mice. I remember learning about this at the time and I was like, what is happening? Researchers added Omicron spike protein to the original Wuhan COVID strain. Omicron spike is highly mutated, which makes it the most infectious variant ever. Omicron is also far less deadly, causing mild disease in most affected animals. Study intended to discover if spike protein determines deadliness of infection. Eight in ten mice infected with the lab-created strain died at Boston University Lab. This compares the 100% fatality rate in mice infected with the Wuhan strain. So obviously it's a little different in humans, but still, this is what a biomedical lab is actually supposed to look like, okay? People are wearing the correct equipment, they're wearing gloves, they're wearing the masks, they're wearing the non-rebreather, whatever, I don't remember what they're called. Uh, they have air from hoses and tubes, everything's marked, everything's stored carefully, everything's clearly very clean. Yeah, yes. That's how it's supposed to look. It's supposed to look much more like the Resident Evil lab than like whatever that warehouse was. Absolutely crazy to me. Jeez. Yeah, so nothing came of that, thankfully. Hopefully nothing will either. But still, still very, very uncomfortable. Not cool that we're doing this. I wish that we weren't, but at the same time, I know. <laughs> I know we won't be able to prove if anything came from example for example from the boston lab have we learned nothing 40 new biochemical labs that handle dangerous viruses are being built around the world well of course of course bill gates is looking at this and he's thinking wow well what if there's another pandemic we have to be prepared we better do all this research just saying gotta make sure that we're staying ahead of the game and there is a perverse kind of reasoning to that but at the same time we kind of know how this ends up 
All right. I want to talk about, oh, I want to talk about LeBron James. Let's talk about his social justice school. Good stuff. All right. So we're going to start with an article from 2020. You'll, you'll learn the significance of the dates in a minute. Andy says, speak louder. I can't hear you in the tub. Andy loves his bath time. Lots of skaters do, which is interesting. He's Epsom salts or whatever, and he's always conducting business. Don't tell anyone, but he is constantly multitasking, making sure he's keeping up on the things that are happening. And he's always hanging out with Dip or Dot. How LeBron James has become a leading voice for social justice in a racially divided nation. I'm so glad we have LeBron James. LeBron James has consistently positioned himself throughout his career as a leader. He has shown leadership on the court as well as integrity in the community. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that this man is a social justice warrior. Aren't you? Goodness gracious. I don't care about any of these people. I literally don't even care about LeBron James. Because of everything that's going on, he added to the Times, people are finally starting to listen to us. We feel like we're finally getting a foot in the door. How long is up to us? We don't know. But we feel like we're getting some ears and some attention. And this is the time for us to finally make a difference. Now, LeBron James is an interesting character because he's um, he's a basketball player. Uh, and I really feel like his reading ability really is reflected in that. I feel like his ability to dialogue appropriately, his verbal acuity probably um, reflects that as well. He did do something very positive that I thought was nice even at the time. He opened a school in Ohio in, um, I'm going to say Akron. I don't remember. Um, he opened a school for African-American kids, kids who are struggling in the culture, kids who have a hard time in life. Um, and he designed it so that the parents could find work and everything, which I think think, think and thought was super cool, right? Well, unfortunately, because they built it, because they built their house on social justice, it is collapsing now and everyone is super shocked and no one wants to talk about it. But not one eighth grade student from LeBron James I Promise School has passed a math test since 2020. That's right. Since 2020, when they were writing fawning articles about how wonderful LeBron James was for being a social justice star, since that time, not one of the students who attended the school that he put together has passed their math test. And that is soul crushing. It really is. Let's read. Students from LeBron James' school seem to be struggling academically. The eighth grade class hasn't passed a math test in the last three years. School board members from Akron, Ohio are concerned about the results. Yeah, no kidding. Sounds like they're focusing on the wrong things. One of LeBron James' greatest facets is his philanthropic nature. James has made a conscious effort to give back to his community. I still find that remarkably admirable, but at the end of the day, if you are throwing money at the wrong cause or in the wrong way, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. It seems to be exactly the case here. <sighs> Sorry, I'm short of breath today. A recent story reveals some concerns about the school. I wonder why. A recent report revealed students from the 8th grade of the I Promise School have not passed the Ohio State math test in several years. One board member questioned how that could be possible, as it is highly unusual for children in their age group to have such poor test results. Not one? In three years? It is discouraging. Yeah, no kidding. They are doing these kids a grave disservice, and the fact that no one has followed up on this in three years just again speaks to the amount of bureaucracy that goes into the public school system. Or maybe people just don't want to touch it because they're scared. They don't want to make this look bad. 
It should be noted that the school's goal is to serve as an intervention for the lowest performing students in the state, but this result is unusual. Yeah. So they're going to try to make the excuse that these are poor kids from a poor community. Oh yeah, that's the excuse. No, it's not. These results are unusual. On top of that, some of the largest demographics in their school are performing far below state levels. Akron, Ohio Public School Board President shared his concern too. For me as a board member, I just think about all the resources we're providing and I'm just, I'm just disappointed. I don't think it doesn't appear we're seeing the kind of change we would expect to see. I hate when they do direct quotes of somebody who's verbally saying something because you get so many repeats. I would never. LeBron James loves the I Promise School and wants to give back to his community. That's fine. That's great. You can tell me that his heart's in the right place all you want. If we're not actually seeing positive effects for these kids, that is the opposite of compassion. And this, I think, is something that the left refuses to grasp. And I'm not sure why. If something isn't working, you don't just give it more money. Okay, so we've talked about this in the past. Baltimore has some of the worst school test rates in the country. And they're also some of the most heavily funded students in the country in the public schools. That's right. It turns out throwing money at a problem actually doesn't fix it. Fix it. And if you think about it, literally, like throwing dollar bills and coins at something isn't going to make the problem get better unless you are applying it in the proper way. Now, if you were to throw money at a problem in that you were going to have people come in and examine what's going wrong, if you're going to have them figure out how to do it better, if you're going to have them kind of like fine tune it and tweak it and figure out what is actually happening here, that might be a better use of the money, but if you're just pouring money into the same things that are already there, you should not be surprised when nothing changes. And as I was saying, it is the opposite of compassion to continue to push the same thing that is holding people down. Really, really disturbing. James' friends have also supported the endeavor. That's great, whatever. Hopefully for the sake of the students, the administration of the I Promise School can navigate the issues they're facing and improve the test results of their students. Of course, of course, we want the best for these kids. This is awful and shouldn't be happening to them. A lot of these kids are going to have to repeat a lot of their education and that's not fair to them. This isn't their fault. But it needs to be understood that LeBron James went into this school by saying, we want these children to feel heard, right? And when you think about it, where's one place where children should feel heard, right? That would be at home with their parents after hours. And if you don't have a functional family unit, you are not going to be able to fix a community by starting at the top like that. A school really is the top. The family is at the bottom. Personal lives, family at the bottom. Those are the most important keys to making sure a community in general works, including a school system. But, of course, LeBron James doesn't see the benefit in that. He sees the benefit in talking about how he's a victim and about his victim class and now how, how all these kids have been victimized. Well, they've been victimized by their own culture. Their culture needs to be fixed. And you can say that without being racist because we have a lot of problems across a lot of cultures in the U.S., they could all stand a little fine-tuning, but you don't do that from the top down and you don't do it just from pouring more money on it. You need to tell men that they need to be fathers and that they need to stay with the woman that they knock up and tie the knot and make it official. That's how they did it in the past and they did it that way for a reason. That was better for humanity. I don't know what you guys are arguing about in the comments here. Talking about math being racist. Okay, okay. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Hopefully you come up with something brilliant. But speaking of education, and we'll hop on over to Bud Light, 
Ron DeSantis says colleges should be on the hook for student loan debt if their graduates can't pay. That's right. Will Chamberlain constantly saying seize the endowments until this stops. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Monday rolled out his Declaration of Economic Independence Policies in Rochester, New York. This is what I want my presidential candidates to be focusing on. This stuff matters, okay? It really, really does. And I wish we could talk about it, but apparently we can only focus on one person right at the top. They're the only people that matter, paying their legal bills with election, you know, election gatherings. And it's just, why don't we talk about the things that actually matter to everyone? He said universities need to handle student debt if graduates can't pay. Proposal comes a month after Joe Biden unveiled his Bidenomics plan. I love that the Biden administration thinks it's in their best interest to push the way Biden has handled the economy because it's insanely bad. It's so bad. It's awful. And he's not going to win with it, period. But let's read on. DeSantis rolled out his ambitious Declaration of Economic Independence proposal Monday as he claimed colleges and universities should be on the hook for paying off student loans. If their graduates don't get jobs that allow them to pay off their debt, the Florida governor turned the focus on, turned the focus to the economy, an issue at the center of many Americans' voting decisions amid high criticism for President Joe Biden's handling of the economy. Centerpiece of DeSantis' 10-point policy proposal are disconnecting the U.S. economic integrity from Chinese industry and ending environmental, social, and corporate governance, also known as ESG investing. Yes, 100%. They are doing it or attempting to do it through the economy, what they could never achieve at the ballot box, he alleged while speaking at an intimate press conference to the calm group of around 100 supporters at the Prep Partners Group Warehouse in Rochester, New Hampshire. Excuse me. He lauded the we, he lauded, we are today declaring our economic independence from the failed elites and policies that have harmed this nation's middle class. Should DeSantis' economic proposals be widely accepted, it would run a clear counter to Biden as he struggles to sell his economic agenda to the public. Polls consistently show that only about one-third of Americans approve of the so-called Bidenomics, and the economy is usually one of the categories where the president polls most poorly. That's right. In fact, if the economy is not good come November 2024, Biden might not make it through this election. But if it is even reasonable, he will probably, you know, just scroll on to victory because everyone's just going to be like, yeah, okay, it's okay. It's not that bad. I'm not losing that much money. Who cares? I don't really care about his policies. I'm not going to vote for him. I'm not going to vote against him, etc. But Trump might galvanize them to vote against him for sure. But we'll see what happens. We've got plenty of time between now and then. Oh, no, I just closed it. I had an article about... I had an article about Bud Light distributors. Yeah, here we go. Bud Light distributors no longer expect sales to recover from April disaster. Many Anheuser-Busch distributors say they are resigned to the painful Bud Light losses and that they have given up on luring back disaffected customers following the fiasco in April, the Post has learned. After four months of hiring freezes and layoffs with some beer truck drivers getting heckled and harassed, even as Bud Light sales have dropped by more than 25%, that's bad, I don't like the idea of heckling beer truck drivers, Anheuser-Busch's wholesalers have accepted that they've lost a chunk of their customers for good and need to focus on a new crop of drinkers. Consumers have made a choice, said an executive at a Texas-based beer distributor who did not want to be identified. They've left Bud Light and that's how it's going to be. I don't envision a big percentage of them coming back. Now, this isn't Anheuser-Busch saying this. These are the people who are actually on the ground 
selling the beer and they're saying things like, oh man, why would I even keep a Bud Light on the shelves? It doesn't make sense financially. Sales of other Anheuser-Busch beers, including Budweiser, Michelob, and Bush Light have also declined since the Bud Light marketing tie-up with the transgender influencer. What's more, those lost customers have likely found that Bud Light is still Bud Light's competitors, including Coors Light and Miller Light, are a very similar product. Winning the beer wars comes down to whoever's best at marketing, the executive said. That's right. That's why this was so, so brutal. There's an increased feeling that the Bud Light decline rate could last for a while and the distributors are worried about losing those drinkers to other similar brands, David Steinman Executive editor of Beer Marketers Insights told The Post. A pair of social media posts on April 1st holding a 16-ounce can of Bud Light with their image on it and another image of them sitting in a pink bubble bath surrounded by Bud Light cans sparked a backlash that has lasted longer than most anticipated. That's right. Very proud of us. Stewart adds, once sustainable development became an actual subject, we were all doomed. I am inclined to agree. The whole green agenda is nothing but a way to get you to vote for leftists at the end of the day. Honestly. Now let's look here. Former Anheuser-Busch exec says layoffs should have included CEO after Mulvaney disaster. My goodness. Instead of laying off hundreds of rank-and-file employees, a former Anheuser-Busch executive argued the brewer should have been smarter to just let go of one person. Oh man, I agree. I feel like whoever calls these shots should be the one to be held personally responsible if something goes wrong. Something goes wrong in your company, you're out. Goodbye. My feeling is that they would have been set up for more success if they'd actually let off one person, which is their CEO. That's right. They said they're trying to set his biz- this business up for future long-term success, but there's no future at this company with the current CEO in place. The CEO is accountable for the results of the organization, and the results of the last four months have been terrible. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. After a controversial partnership with influencer Dylan Mulvaney, this we know, Brendan Whitworth, CEO of Anheuser-Busch, the world's largest brewer, on Wednesday said the company did not make the decision to cut staff lightly, but was prioritizing its future long-term success, according to the Wall Street Journal. Right. Yeah. You still have sales down 30% on their top beers. Billions of brands of shareholder value have been raised, and it's all due to the decisions made by the top leaders of the company. Perks criticized. Whitworth clarified the layoffs included corporate and marketing roles at U.S. offices in St. Louis, New York, and Los Angeles. It did not impact brewery and warehouse staff, the company also said. Perks explained, expanded on why the job cut should have started at the top of the company. That's right. Put the responsibility where it belongs. 100%. Every single CEO, they have a fiduciary obligation to their shareholders, not to these stakeholders in the organization that are pushing different agendas, different activist agendas, political agendas. If you're the CEO of a company, you're the one who's accountable for the results at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. Oh, where'd it go? There we go. When he settled into the company after joining in 2011, he claimed he started seeing the shift away from fiscal priorities to political ones. By the time I left the organization, we'd started releasing two annual reports, one for shareholders talking about what the company was doing, financials, but there was another one, a 105-page ESG report, which is what DeSantis is talking about dismantling and we could really stand to focus on right about now, report that the company was releasing that was talking about DEI, talking about ESG, talking to these progressive things that frankly did not deliver to the bottom line. In fact, something I haven't brought up, DeSantis, Anheuser, I can't spell. Here we go. 
Yep. Ron DeSantis threatens Anheuser-Busch over Bud Light marketing campaign. Let's see what he's going for. He's hinting at legal action against Bud Light's parent company, Anheuser-Busch InBev, for the beer brand's promotion earlier this year. Bud Light's March Madness promotion, blah, blah, blah. Interview Thursday with Fox News, he said that Florida's pension fund contained over $50 million worth of Anheuser-Busch shares. This is what people don't seem to understand. Florida has a vested interest in Anheuser-Busch doing well. And instead of saying what Donald J. Trump Jr. said, which was, oh, maybe we shouldn't boycott them, what Florida is doing is saying instead we're going to hold these MFs accountable because they hold responsibility for part of the pension fund of our state. So they're at least as invested in Florida as they are in the Trump campaign. But only one of those people is saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't boycott them. One of them is saying we're going to hold them accountable because this is not acceptable. Bud Light's decision to team with Mulvaney was followed by a sales slump. That's putting it nicely. And as a result, states' pension funds have suffered collateral damage, according to a 2024 presidential candidate. When you start pursuing a political agenda at the expense of your shareholders, that's not just impacting very wealthy people. It impacts hardworking people who are firefighters, police, and teachers, DeSantis told Fox News. That's right. And there he's referring to the people who rely on Florida's pension fund. And it could be something that leads to a derivative lawsuit filed on behalf of the shareholders of the Florida pension fund, he added, because at the end of the day, there's got to be penalties for when you put business aside to focus on your social agenda at the expense of the people. DeSantis didn't say how much the pension fund has lost from Anheuser-Busch investments. Derivative lawsuits are filed by shareholders on behalf of a company against the corporation's directors or officers alleging alleging breach of their fiduciary duties. That's right. That gets right to the CEO. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're not going to worry too much about the rest of that. I just thought it was interesting because the distinction between the Trump's Trump campaign's approach to this and... DeSantis is just so glaring. I just want to highlight that Ron DeSantis is actually making a difference there, or at least talking about it. We'll see if anything actually happens, and that's really what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone to tell us, oh, you shouldn't care about the culture wars. That's really not that big a deal. Um, I'm looking for someone to say, we are in this together, we are going to fight it, and we are going to win. And I feel like DeSantis is equipped well in that regard. So we won't talk about incels today. We might save it for tomorrow, or we might save it for the Friday night bonus hole. We'll just have to see what happens. Looks kind of interesting. I'm going to read up on it. Looks kind of silly, maybe, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll have to see. I know you guys aren't in cells and probably aren't very familiar with them, but it's a very interesting, uh, interesting conversation to be had over there, for sure. And that's a cultural point that we don't often talk about. Texas Rangers, I will only drink Bud Light if it's $12 and they rebate it for $15. That's fair, for sure. I was going to say I wouldn't drink it if they paid me $12 because it's disgusting. You know what they say about, um, <laughs> you know what they say about American beers like Bud Light. It's, uh, it's like love making in a canoe. It's, um, it's, it's very close to water for sure. Texas Rangers says the fat cats administration colleges raise the cost of college. That's right. When the government gives them a blank check, they will fill it. However necessary, unfortunately, college administrators and professors vote Democrat. Of course, of course, they have complete intellectual capture. Can't believe people support Biden with poor economy and things like inflation. Oh, you know what else we're going to talk about tomorrow is the DEI directors who are being let go in the most wonderful twist of all time. They're being canned because they do not add value to the companies that they work with. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. All right, you guys, it's 7.55. I'm very short of breath. I will see you all tomorrow. 
Remember, stay safe, stay well, stay out of Target. I will see you all next time. Until then.